Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. I want to welcome you to our online Sunday service. Hoping and praying that God speaks to you, ministers to your heart, and gives you strength and courage in these days. Today I want to answer, hopefully, the question... Trust God in my pain and my grief. And I want to do that by looking at Lamentations chapter 3. Have you ever experienced disappointment with God? Have you ever been angry with God? Or have you ever wondered, why God? Or how long, O Lord? Or how much more? Or even, if you love me, God, why is this happening? If you have, you've begun to experience lament. About 20 years ago, while attending a worship service on the Navajo Reservation near Shiprock, New Mexico, I encountered lament. At some point in the service, a four-year-old girl in a wheelchair with tubes connected to various parts of her body came forward for prayer. The church prayed for her, but I was wrecked. And what I mean by wrecked, I got to a place where I was sobbing so much, I actually had to leave the building because I was being disruptive. And I wondered to myself at that time, God, as I look at this little four-year-old girl, how could this be? Why does this have to be? And even a step further, can't you do something? So even though I didn't know it at that time, I had entered into lament. Now, what is lament? Lament can be defined as a loud cry, a howl, or a passionate expression of grief. In other words, anyone can lament. You don't have to be a religious person to lament. Some terrible thing may happen, and the emotions well up and burst out, and there's a sense of passion in the midst of your grief. But today I want to talk about biblical lament, because biblical lament is more than sorrow. We're talking about sadness and grief. Biblical lament, if I understand it correctly, is a prayer in pain that leads to trust, ultimately trust in God. So today, as we look at the book of Lamentations, I pray that we will see and understand the path of lament and how it can lead us to greater dependence on God, no matter what's going on in our lives. So if you're already in Lamentations chapter 3, as we read that, I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture. I don't usually do this, but I realize, or at least feel in this instance, it might be necessary. Hopefully I won't be overly dramatic. But Lamentations chapter 3, as we see here, will give us a good picture of how lament begins. Verse 1 and following. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, He shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, 
like a lion in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and he made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and sated me with gall. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. What is lament? Lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust ultimately to God. Now, to understand Lamentations chapter 3, we need to understand the context of Lamentations as a whole. The city of Jerusalem has just fallen to the Babylonians. And it was basically a three-year siege where in the city itself, there was a lot of trials and difficulties, pain, anguish, uh, people dying, uh, all sorts of horrendous, horrific things that were happening in the city as a whole. And so the context basically is, here's the city of Jerusalem. It has fallen. It has been decimated by the Babylonians. But if we only see that as what's happening, we'll miss out the greater picture of what's actually occurring at this time in Lamentations. Ultimately, the fall of Jerusalem goes back to the place where God has been sending prophet after prophet after prophet to warn the people of coming judgment. They've turned away from God. They've turned to idols. They've sinned like crazy. And God has warned them over and over and over again and has said, repent, turn back to me and you'll be restored. But the people never listened. They never listened to the prophet. And so the fall of Jerusalem is a consequence of their continued disobedience in light of God's call to them to be obedience. And that's where this statement, this lament, this poem, this prayer comes into play. What we see here is a person who looks at the situation in Jerusalem and says, this is not good. This is ugly. This is horrendous. This is horrific. Um, and the despair that this person feels is real in that, in that sense where they feel like God is against me. Whatever I try to do, God is keeping me from moving forward. And I, and I feel this sense of despair that God has actually abandoned me. But when we look at this prayer, and we look at it closely as possible, we see that this prayer is actually something that is real. We see a real heart that's in pain. People are dying all around this person, this writer of Lamentations, of this poem. They're seeing death magnified. They're seeing all sorts of things that would make a person squirm in their heart. And in the midst of all of this real pain, they express this real pain to God. They're clear, they're honest, they're real. This is not good. I mean, even as it says here in verse 7, you have walled me in so that I cannot escape. You have weighed me down with chains. And even when I call out or cry for help, you shut out my prayer. There's a realness to this person's lament as they see the pain, as they experience this grief. But in the midst of that, there's a humility. A humility that realizes in all of these things that this situation is not good. 
This is a situation that has come about because we have not listened to God, because we have disobeyed his voice. We have disobeyed his call. And the humility that comes out is God, and we'll see this later on as well, is God, I trust, I hope in you. Now, as we understand this, I want us to see also the reality and humility of this is that the writer does not vent a self-centered rage at God because life hasn't turned out as they had planned it to. They're not shaking their fists and saying, God, I hate you. I reject you. I want to throw you away. You're useless. You're worthless. There's nothing good for me to worship you because I don't get anything out of it. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is in the midst of our difficult circumstances, because we did not obey you, in the midst of all of this, I understand your justice. I understand why you had to act. I understand why you had to do what you had to do. But it doesn't make it any easier. This is difficult, Father. This is difficult, God. This is, this is not easy for us at all. I'm looking around and I'm seeing friends and family, children, and I weep at this. I lament at this. This pain is real. I'm grieved. I'm hurting. I'm struggling through this. But I cannot fault you, God, for you have warned us over and over and over again. Now, if we are to lament properly, I think this also holds true for us. In our lament, we need to be real and we need to be humble. See, I believe that God calls us to lament, to experience heartfelt pain, to cry out to him in prayer, prayer that is real, prayer that is humble, whether you've done something wrong like the people in Jerusalem did, or you did nothing wrong, just like Job. You see, the Bible is full of lament, which is why I believe God calls us to lament when we experience pain and grief. For instance, Job laments the loss of his children, his wealth, and his health to a point where in Job chapter 3, he says, I wish I was never born. Why do I have to live? God, I, I wish that you'd, you'd killed me. Take it away. I don't want to be alive. Hannah laments in 1 Samuel because she has no son and she's being persecuted by the other wife. Habakkuk laments at the prevalence of injustice in the land, which when he, he looks at it, he says, God, why is Israel so corrupt? Why is there so much corruption? Why is it to a point where evil is seen as good? I don't understand this, God. Do something. And God says, Habakkuk, I will. I'm sending the Babylonians. And we know what the Babylonians do. And yet, here in the midst of all of this, Habakkuk laments a real humble prayer that says, God, why? Why is this happening? How long must this happen? Please bring an end to it. We also see that when the people returned from the exile and they started to rebuild the temple, they lamented. Why? Because when they looked at their temple and they remember the old temple, they think, wow, what a shoddy piece of work. Oh, how great it was when we worshiped God in this beautiful temple. Now, what do we have? Just this pieces of blocks kind of thing. And yet they didn't realize in the midst of their lament that something greater would eventually come. And Jesus laments on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lament is a real part of, of, of biblical life. It's a real part of following God. When we experience great pain and great grief, the call is to lament. The call is to pray. The call is to come to God being real 
and being humble. So in your life right now, are you asking God some tough questions about the injustice that exists in our world or even exists in your life? I think that Lamentations teaches us and also teaches us about God is that it is absolutely okay, even a good thing, to bring your complaints and your questions to God. But I also think that biblical lamentation doesn't stop with simply being real and being honest as we bring our complaints to God. Something else is needed. Now, why, why do I say this? Have you ever been around someone who always complains but never does anything about what they complain about? And, and how hard it is to hear that and then think, why don't you just do something? And yet they don't. And that lament that they have is real. It needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be comforted. It needs to be supported. But we need to move beyond just, I'm going to raise my complaints to God and get to a place where in Lamentations, we'll see that the end game is hope and trust. Let's read a little bit further here in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 and following. And this is, this is to me, is, is like the linchpin of it all. Verse 21 in this Huge word, yet. So after this writer has complained and grieved and lamented, he says, yet, but, or hold on a minute. Let's stop here for a second. Let's think about this. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I said to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him and let him be filled with disgrace. For men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. The end game of lament, and not that lament is a game, but the end game is hope and trust. You see, all that the writer has been through, without an immediate sense of all the wrongs being made right in his time, he states that he still hopes and trusts in God. Why? Because he knows who God is. He knows who God is. And he knows what God does. I mean, again, if we were to read verses 20, um, 21, 22, 23, he would say, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What the writer is saying is, you can hope in God, you can trust God because of what he does, of course, of who he is. He is a compassionate God. Every morning, in his faithfulness, mercy is new. It's fresh. It's a restart. And so we have this sense where what has happened with the lament is, God, I'm going to be real. I'm in a horrible situation. I'm going to be humble because I understand we deserve this. We disobeyed you. We rejected you outright, clearly. 
but yet I still have hope in you. I still have hope in your compassion. You have not abandoned us. You have not consumed us completely. There is hope. There is more to come. There's more that we will have. You see, biblical lament gets to a place, this end game, where there's hope and trust. Job, after being rebuked by God, humbly admits the error of his way. He says, God, you know, I went a little off the rails. I apologize for that. But then God restores him. You see, Job could be real. Job could be humble. But he also had hope knowing who God was. Hannah is blessed by God, not only by having a son, Samuel, but also by having other children afterwards. If we continue on in the examples that we used prior to this, excuse me, Habakkuk, at the end of Habakkuk 3, says this, if the crops fail and the herds are destroyed, so what? I will rejoice in God. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The builders of the second temple were never to see the greater glory that God promised in Haggai chapter 2. That greater glory would come hundreds of years later in the form of Jesus. In other words, they had hope, they had trust, but they never saw it. And Jesus himself, in hope and in trust, says to his father as he dies on the cross, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You see, the end game of biblical lament is to hope in God and put your trust in him. God is okay if we come to him and we are real. God is okay if we come to him and we are humble. But God wants us to leave his presence with a sense of hope and trust, not only in who he is, but also in what he does and also in what he will eventually do, even if we never have the opportunity to see the fulfillment of that hope. Now, saying all that, I wish it were easy. I wish we could flip a switch, make our lament and say, God, this is not good. I am in a very dark place. I am struggling. I wish I could say it's easy, but it's not. Because sometimes the pain and the grief will always stay and remain there. I've shared with the church before about my brother uh, being shot in the Cook County building and ultimately dying. That was in 1983. And I still remember Years later, decades later, my parents still struggled with that grief. Why? Because they had lost a child. Grief just doesn't disappear all the time, if ever. It sticks with us many times in our lives. But that's when God calls us to lament. Be real about the pain that exists there. Humbly come before God and yet walk away with a sense of hope and trust in who God is and what he's done. I believe that's what Lamentations teaches us. It teaches us that in the midst of such darkness, such despair, such ugliness, God is still in control. We can depend on him. We can trust him. Now let me finish with this. What is your lament? Here's some of mine. I'm just going to give you three. I lament my non-struggle with temptation. Now, Pastor Dave usually teases me and says, well, if I'm not struggling with temptation, that means I'm always giving in. Now, that's not what I mean. What I, what I mean is, is I've been reading Matthew, so hopefully you're all reading through the New Testament with us as a church. But as I'm reading Matthew and realizing how Jesus dealt with temptation, I started to reflect and said, you know what? I don't really struggle with temptation as much as I used to. I mean, I'm not doing crazy wild things, but when I was a younger Christian, I felt like everything was, was constant pressure of temptation. Now I feel like I go through life and maybe it's the coronavirus experience. But I just go through life and it just seems like I'm on autopilot. 
and there's not this real struggle. And so I lament like that. I want to be like Paul in Romans 7 who says, wretched man that I am. Why are you so wretched, Paul? I'm wretched because this sin just keeps coming at me and coming at me. But he expresses it in the midst of that lament of wretched man that I am is, but thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. See, I, I, I've lost that sense of what it means to struggle with temptation because my Christian life can be on autopilot. That's my lament. Now, mind you, I don't want to be tempted all the time, and I wish that I could be so godly that temptation didn't even phase me. But temptation is a reality, and I lament the loss of that sense of struggling and working through temptation. I lament my lack of love and concern for the lost and for those who have offended me. Paul in Romans 9 says this, you know, I'm just, I am grieving. I'm lamenting the fact that my brothers and sisters, my fellow Israelites don't know Jesus. That really bothers me. That's what Romans, that's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 9. And I lament that loss of love and concern. How my concern is for the church and how I don't expand beyond that and, and, and try to bring and see other people come to know Jesus. That, that I lament that loss of concern. I lament the fact that sometimes I can live for days or weeks, months, even years sometimes in, in, in a clouded sense of anger because someone has offended me. I lament that. Why? Because God says it's just wrong. God so loved the world. God loves the world. If God loves the world and I'm his child, I should love the world to see them in a way that they will find Jesus, who is hope in the midst of a barren and despairing world. I lament that loss. I lament the fact that I can actually live and not really struggle, again, with the temptation of fighting back and forth and saying, forgive, not forgive. Why did they do that? How do I get even? And I lament that the attitude exists in my heart, that it's taken root and it needs to be uprooted in the end as well. And let me finish with this as my final lament. And I think I may lose some of you here, and I apologize for that in some ways, and in other ways, not necessarily so. I lament the church's surrender to vitriol, its lack of love, and its abandonment of its vision for the kingdom of God. I'm not unaware of the news that happened this week. I think what happened this week is horrible. It's despicable. It might not even be the culmination of all the things that we are going to see wrong with our nation and what's going to happen. It's just wrong what happened. Let's not lie about that. But there's stuff that goes on behind that. And I think in part, I believe I'm a part of this. I believe that the church itself has given itself over to this angry spirit, this self-righteous seeking of judgment that we've forgotten the kingdom of God and that what is more important to us is whether we're left or right and not necessarily is where is Jesus in this and how can we be light? Now, I know that may come off as offensive, but I'm, what I'm saying is I'm part of that problem. Maybe you are too. Maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you feel that what your cause is, is right and just. And it probably is. But it's not a matter of what we do, but how we do it. You can do the right thing, but the call of Jesus is the call to love. Remember again, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet saints, no, while we were yet sinners, while we were still children of wrath, while Romans 5.10 says we were enemies with God, God still loved us. 
And I lament the fact that the church, rather than being salt and light, rather than being a loving community to all around us, often fall prey to the anger, the hatred, and the bitterness that the rest of our country is slowly but surely falling more deeply and more deeply into. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm a great guy. I'm not saying this because I think that I'm the best ever. I don't think that at all. What I really think is that I should be lamenting that I have lost my love for people. That I have lost my love for people who may even be my enemies. Because the call of God is what? To bless those who curse you. To pray for those who persecute you. To love them just like God loved us. And so I lament. I lament the condition of our country. I grieve. I want to be real. I I don't like this. I don't want my kids to live in a world like this. The other day we watched a movie uh, called Just Mercy. I don't know if you've read the book or or you've seen the movie. There's, And I'm going to ruin this in some ways for you, but not the whole thing. But there's a point in the movie where they get to court and this black man has been um, convicted of a crime that he didn't commit, couldn't even possibly have committed. And they bring all this evidence before the judge. And, and it's, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, it's pretty obvious the movie over. <laughs> it's halfway through, but how's it over? But I mean, it's, it's obvious. The guy didn't do it. And the judge says, yeah, I'm not really so clear there's enough evidence to have another court case on this. And I was angry because I said to myself, how is it possible that you cannot see that this is wrong? And if you had any courage, you would stand up and you would say, this is wrong and we need to have a new court case. You know, I, I walked out of the room at that moment and I yelled at God. And this is an event that happened 20 years ago. But that, that sort of lament that's just real. God, how does this happen in our world when right is not done and wrong prospers? I won't tell you how the movie ends, but I, I, I will tell you that when I walked away from that, I realized something. I was lamenting. I was angry. I was hurt. I was bothered by that injustice that was committed. And yet, there's a hope. There's a hope in God that something can be done. That wrong will be made right. The world that we live in, the wrongs that we see, those wrongs will be made right. God will take care of it. I want us to understand this, church. The politics of our country is destroying our lives. Not necessarily our country, but our lives, our hearts as a church. Do we not recognize that abortion still exists? Do we not recognize that trafficking is still happening? That people are being used and abused and then tossed aside? Do we not recognize that there is child abuse in our country? Do we not recognize that there is so much that is wrong that it should lead us to despair? but hopefully to lament, to be real, to be humble, and ultimately to hope and trust that God will work this out. How God? Why God? How long? And I think he looks at the church and he says, we can work through this. We can work on this if you will love. Not just do right, but to walk humbly, to love, to do justice, to do mercy in love. <clears throat> Paul says in 1 Corinthians, do whatever you want, but 
if there's no love, it means nothing. It's not what I'm saying. It's what God is saying to us. His call for us is to lament. And in our lament, to be brokenhearted, to be pained, to be filled with love for everyone, which is not always easy because there are so many people that are so way out there, so wrong. But we are still called to love. I'll say it again. God so loved the world. God so demonstrated his love that we all were yet sinners. He loved us. He died for us. Wow. May that be what we take home today when we look at Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations is good. God calls us to lament. God calls us to come to him in prayer, to be real, to be humble, and then to leave with hope and trust that God can actually change things. Let's pray. Our Father, I think this is an easy sermon up until the end where we actually have to look at ourselves. I don't like what I see in myself. I think it's disappointing. If something happened, I might feel like, wow, I'm just like the people of Jerusalem, spending all my time in my things, my concerns, my worries, my whatever, and not coming to you. So I pray wherever there may be offense, that your Holy Spirit will be speaking to our hearts. May we hear, may we really hear what you have to say and speak to us. May we come to a place where lament becomes a part of our lives, where we really do grieve passionately about the wrongs that are going on in our lives, about the wrongs that are going on in our country, about the wrongs that are going on in our world. May we grieve passionately, but leave hoping in you, trusting in you, that you are God over all, and that it is your desire to bring people to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, you know our hearts better than we know our own hearts. You are a God of great compassion, speaking to us, calling us to you, calling us even to lament and grieve passionately, deeply, woundedly over the sin and evil that exists in our lives and in our world. I pray that all of us go from here today not angry at what we might have heard, agreed with, or disagreed with, but really looking at our lives and saying, I want to love like you love Jesus, to love even those who are my enemies, to bless them, to pray for them, to care for them, to help them when you give me the opportunity. May we be a church that is just like Jesus, a willingness to give our lives for those who are unworthy and undeserving because of love. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.